Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 592 of the Juice Box Podcast. Well, today we have another episode of the Variables series. There's actually two more left, counting this one. Today's episode is Diabetes Variables Menopause. If you experience a hot flash during this episode, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Today, I'll be speaking with Jenny Smith. Jenny has had type 1 diabetes since she was a child for over 30 years. She also holds a bachelor's degree in human nutrition and biology from the University of Wisconsin. She is a registered and licensed dietitian, a certified diabetes educator, and certified trainer on most makes and models of insulin pumps and continuous glucose monitors. She's also Jenny from the Juice Box Podcast, so show some respect. Wow, there's like 15 seconds of music left here. Uh, Go with it. Just sway your hips, bob your head. I don't know. Pretend you're making your own personal TikTok video. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is not sponsored. I haven't run out of sponsors. I've just fulfilled my requirements for this year. Huh. This is weird, isn't it? Mm, what do I want to do here? You should check out the, yeah, I know what I'm going to say. Hold on a second. Just stick with me. Are you looking for those diabetes pro tip episodes? The ones that begin at episode 210? Well, they're available right here in your podcast player or at juiceboxpodcast.com. They're also available at diabetesprotip.com. And if that wasn't enough, at those same links, you'll find the defining diabetes series, how we eat, algorithm pumping, after dark, There's so many to choose from. Let me also throw a little shout out here to the private Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes, as it crests 18,000 members. The only thing it's missing is you. Alcohol? I'm recording now. Let Let me take a look and make sure that they're what I think they are. Because we did that, um... I'm recording. So we did that, uh, blah, blah, blah. we did that variable episode, which was us just kind of going through the rest of the list that didn't right. seem like they needed their own episodes. And while we were pulling through that, we found just a couple that needed their own. So I'm going to pull those up. A little more discussion needed. Yeah. And we are going to finish up the variables, which took us all of 2021. <sighs> It's weird to think of it. That Gosh, way, that's it? that's really weird to think. Yeah. Yep. It is a it's an incredibly strange thought that you and I started this at the beginning of 2021, and here at the end we're going to finish it up. Um, so, ladies' choice: you want to do alcohol or menopause first? Ooh, let's do menopause. Okay. Well, I don't know how much help I'm going to be with this. <laughs> um, <laughs> We're really out of my wheelhouse now. I don't have diabetes and I don't have any lady parts. So And you have well, and you have no experience helping a lady with menopause, right? So I, I don't but well, listen, you're right, I don't. But my but I have a little bit of I mean, maybe I'm starting to, but I don't see what it has to do with diabetes, but we'll see. Cause 
there is a fan in my house now. Um, uh, a year like ago, a, a fan, uh, like a, a ceiling, ceiling fan. fan? So, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, what kind of fan are we talking about here? A year or two ago at Christmas time, I bought my wife a ceiling fan for our bedroom that, no lie, has got to have a wingspan of maybe six feet. I, like okay. if, if I had two of them, I could get something off the ground. And it it creates such a downdraft in my bedroom that if she turns it up too high and I get in bed, my eyes begin to water and my lips chap and I'm freezing. Like you can't leave your extremities outside of the blankets because they start to get numb. And I look over at her and she's barely got a sheet on and she's like, it's hot in here, right? <laughs> so yeah. maybe I have some... <laughs> A tiny bit of experience with this, I'm not sure. Uh, but how does this impact people with type one? Well, for what I mean, there are multiple stages, right? To what we're kind of what we typically classify as menopause, right? And I think another important thing to consider is research has proven that women with diabetes tend to enter menopause earlier than women without diabetes. So it's a piece in the mix, not, you know, a hundred percent of women, but many people, many women experience it starting sooner Mm -hmm. than later. Um, So in terms of adjustments, we tend to start to see changes in monthly cycles. They either get longer, they might get heavier. The, um, I guess, pain that may be associated with it, cramping and that kind of stuff can become more intense. And cycles can also become less regular. If you were the typical like 32 days between my cycles, you might be 26 days and 35 the next month. So things kind of get a little bit wonky. And in terms of what's impacting blood sugar, then if you had a pretty typical turnaround in insulin need and you figured it out with a normal cycle, then this change in how your cycle is, you know, occurring now may get disrupted as well. Your insulin needs may change. You may not need more insulin for a whole seven days before your cycle starts. You might need it for two days before, and then you might need it during versus your insulin needs falling like a typical cycle. Can I ask you a question? Let me ask you. Yeah. So you said it might start earlier, but age wise, yes. Is there an amount of like, like, 10% 10% earlier, two years earlier, like, is there any way to track it or, and how do you even know what earlier is? Right. Yeah. I mean, most, most menopause kind of perimenopause. And then once you're completely through and you've no longer had a cycle, you consider yourself sort of, um, in true menopause is when you've had a cycle, but you not had a cycle for a year, 12 month time period without any normal cycle. Um, So perimenopause can start and usually does over about the age of 45 to 50 for most women without diabetes could even be later. And some of that may have to do with like just genetics. You know, my mom started menopause at 55. If I didn't have diabetes, maybe I'd probably be in about that same bucket of time to consider it starting. Right. But some of the research that I've looked at actually shows that menopause or perimenopause, the beginning of changes to the cycle, can actually be in like the mid to late 30s. Oh, wow. How long does perimenopause last? There's no way to know either. No, it's a big 
cycle of shift and change. Like I said, so you, a good way to know it, some of the symptoms, as you mentioned, you know, buying a big ceiling fan for your wife, mm-hmm. some of those are common symptoms in terms of like the hot flash. That's one that most people think about in terms of menopause is I get hot or I get cold really easily or whatever. Um, so you may have some symptoms, um, that are also cueing you in, but a big one, again, as you've been probably tracking and following based on just insulin adjustments that you typically need, if your cycle starts to become irregular for no reason, um, and you're in the age group where you could be of an age that might be menopause starting, um, you know, then tracking even more and paying attention because insulin needs will shift and they really shift mainly because one of the big hormones in, um, a woman's cycle is estrogen, mm-hmm. right? So as estrogen levels kind of fall, as you move through perimenopause, menopause, um, you can see your insulin sensitivity shift as well. Okay. And shift in, in likely in the in the way of needing more. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Do, does any of this stop after menopause? Like once the. There's more from the women that I've worked with who are definitely through menopause, or I've been working with them well after, you know, they've no longer had a cycle. There is more, there's more stability in their numbers because hormones aren't fluxing like they would have been. Mm-hmm. before, right? So there's not this ebb and flow to I need more, I need less now, etc. There's more stability unless something else variable wise changes like weight or their exercise level or you know their eating habits or those kinds of things. Um so in terms of during, there's a lot of shift and adjustment and from what I honestly see for women working through it, there's a lot of navigating insulin changes that just look weird monthly even like yes yeah okay so you know one one month it could be seven days before your period starts you need a lot more the next month it could be four days or not quite as much so there's going to be a lot of you being flexible through this right and it might even be you know if you knew ahead of time you know prior to this expected change happening if you were needing i need to adjust my insulin up by seven days before, and I needed it adjusted for the whole seven days before my period started in that perimenopause kind of stage, you might find a flux up where seven days before you need a little bit more, but as you get closer to your period starting, maybe the day before or two days before is when you really need the excess, you know, amount of insulin comparative to it just being a steady increased need for those days as it was previously. Okay. So is, is this, because I'm going to ask you at some point next year to do a pro tip about, about periods and okay. female hormones in general, the whole thing's just like, I mean, the best I've been able to figure out around Arden is that, you know, like you said, coming up on her period, she needs a little more. It does seem to get, you, you know, um, a little more gradual towards the period it used to be once she had her period, it just like it, it almost got easy during the period, but now she's, now she's on a birth control pill. That doesn't seem to happen as much anymore. So 
she's a little more consistent through the month now. And then when she gets to her period, it's not this like, like her period was almost like time off from paying attention to, to, to insulin. It was just really easy. And now it's not as easy that she, and I realize she's not even getting the hormones, right? Hold on. Let me think about this. Yeah. Usually she gets her period right as you get to the placebo, right? It's about how it's supposed to work. So then through the period she's on the placebo and, and she's not getting the hormone at that point. Outside of her normal cycle of hormones, her normal body doing what it's supposed to do. Right. Yeah. Um, and she's taking them because she had no, um, I, I mean, like Arden almost didn't have any quality of life without birth control. Like she was getting her period almost constantly. Too frequently. Yeah. And for like 11 days at a time. And then yeah. she'd get like a two or three day break and it would come back again. Yeah. So uh, it completely depleted her of iron. We had to get her a couple of infusions because of that. Um, and just in general, it's, it's you know, it's. I mean, I don't know, but I live with a couple of women. It don't look fun. So, uh, no. <laughs> right. So doing it constantly looks a little, a little less fun. Let me ask you, is there any impact on menopause if you also have a thyroid thing or are those things not connected? Well, I would expect that they would be connected in terms of thyroid having just relation to overall metabolism, right? Right. And as your body cycling through a change in hormone production um, with menopause, then you're going to have changes. I mean, many women experience weight gain during menopause, even who don't have thyroid issues. Mm -hmm. So I would expect them to impact each other. Um, So obviously, just as you would normally do, continue to have your thyroid levels checked, continue to adjust your medication kind of as needed one time period of the day. That's interestingly a time that many women going through like perimenopause into menopause often find more consistent lows is in the overnight time period. Oh, wonderful. Where insulin needs may need to go down overnight to decrease the chance of lows. Okay. Um, I mean, thankfully today we've got a lot of technology and devices that obviously, you know, you can watch things, you can set alerts, you can mm-hmm. adjust things much more precisely for that. Um, but it is something to definitely know is you're not crazy. If you think your insulin needs overnight are much lower than they are during the daytime. As we age, we tend to need less insulin. Um, if you look kind of at charts of insulin dosing, insulin needs overnight are typically highest for like the young and like the teens And then as you move into adulthood and then later adulthood into kind of like that menopause age, the overnight insulin needs are lower than the, the, the younger population, let's say. Okay. So, all right. Cause there's not as much growth hormone and a lot of other things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say this real quickly before we say goodbye. Um, If you haven't, if you have a thyroid issue and you haven't heard episode 413 thyroid disease explained with Dr. Addie Benito, you should listen. And um, if your doctor's telling you that your four TSH or your six TSH or your eight TSH is in range, you probably should find a different doctor who wants your TSH to be more like two or lower. So, but there are plenty of people, Jenny's got a horrified look on her face, but there are plenty of doctors who are like, you're fine, you're in range. And in range, they think of as up to like 10. Yeah. Yeah. That's not okay. Yeah. No, that's not okay. No. All right. Uh, Okay. So the wrap up on menopause is it's going to be variable 
could change month to month, may last years. And I'm going to add probably going to be easier if you have a pump and a CGM. I would agree. It would be easier from a dose adjustment standpoint. Yes. Um, also allows you to track kind of shifts in, in your your needs a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, especially if you have any of the sort of automated kind of or augmented insulin delivery systems that you can actually see your data and you can see where insulin is being adjusted up or down based on your glucose shifts. Okay. That can make it a little bit easier to follow and see what your changes look like. Yeah, I'm saying that because if you have an increased need in insulin that goes 24 or 48 hours before you even realize it, before you don't think, oh, maybe my, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm just, you know, you know, how people are like, I'm maybe it'll go away. And then now you're right. now you're significantly behind and this curve is is going up and up. By the time you put in more basal injected and figure out how to be more aggressive with it, you could be five days into your into this portion. And almost cycle. through the need. Yeah. By the time you by the time you see it, it might be too late. And that could really put you in a position where you start ignoring it, which I don't think you should do at all. So, okay. All right. I appreciate you doing this. Thank you very much. Yes, sure. If you're interested in learning more about Jenny Smith, she works at Integrated Diabetes, and you can hire her to help you with your type 1. After Jenny, there's no one really to thank because there's no sponsors here today. Let me just remind you again, private Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes, Diabetes Pro Tip episodes, defining diabetes stuff. I mean, the podcast is chock full of great information if you're using insulin. I hope you check it out. Follow on a podcast app, subscribe, tell a friend, leave a great review somewhere. Have a nice holiday. I'll talk to you soon when I'm back with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast. Podcast.